question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Or 100.3 FM, our FM channel. If you're up in that area where the FM transmitter is, you can join us up there too on 100.3. Or you can always go online, WROL Radio. Or you can, if you have one of those smart speaker devices, Alexa, you can always ask Alexa to find WROL Radio AM 950. You can find find it that way. Also, my podcast, JohnFPaul.Podomatic.com or iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn or any one of those things. You can go to TuneIn for, for that, too. We are going to be talking with uh, Jamie Page Deaton. She's the editor of U.S. News and World Report about their latest survey. We'll also be doing a little bit of trivia. Uh, and it'll be for St. Patrick's Day, a little bit of Irish car trivia. Pretty easy one. Well, we actually have two trivia questions, an easy one and a hard one. Dennis is looking at me going, I got no sleep last night. You got to help me out here. I don't need to do this. I don't need to work this hard this morning. <laughs> and then uh, we'll be reviewing a car as well. So we have a lot of things going on over the next 90 minutes. And, of course, it's St. Patrick's Day. So the Irish hosts, who knows where they are. There's a ton of equipment getting ready to go out. I saw uh, Bobby Brooks do something this morning. Uh, there's just going to be a ton of stuff. They're going to be at every restaurant and bar and all kinds of places for the, all day today. So a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on. Let's see. Dennis is doing what he does. And with us on the phone is Jamie Page Deaton. She is the auto editor for U.S. News and World Report. Jamie, good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. How are you on this St. Patrick's Day? Doing well. Yeah. Doing just great. Um, Well, your publication is known for putting lists of things together. You have the top ten this or the best of this, the best of that. And you just came out with another best of. What was it? Yeah, we did the best cars for families, um, and we've been doing this list for about, oh, you know, six or seven years now. Um, and well, the way that we find these best cars and, and the way that our lists are a little bit different from other publications lists, you know, if you go and you look at some of the more enthusiast-oriented magazines, they get their editors together and they test all the cars and they argue over it, and that's how they make their list. Uh, we do it a little bit differently. We, um, For the best cars for families, what we do is we look at the cars that have the best combination of space, family-friendly features, um, safety and reliability ratings, and then positive review from positive reviews from professional automotive journalists. So for that segment, we go out and we collect and we analyze every published incredible review of a given car. Um, so these are really data-driven rankings in this list. You know, the winners are the, the car that has the best combination of those factors in its class. Um, and so it's a really nice data-driven way to get uh, a car that works for your family and your budget, no matter, you know, what those who, <laughs> what, what those are. And you, you mentioned something. You said best in his class. How do you split up the classes, either monetarily, how, how much your budget is, or space-wise, or I don't know, how many kids and dogs you have? How, how do you do it? 
<laughs> yeah, we have we have best for you know seven kids and dogs. No, it's it's based on a combination of space and budget, and we actually use the same classes that we use for our regular car rankings. So we have you know always have general car rankings up on the site, which you can go to cars.usnews.com and view. And so from those classes. We break it up. So we have the best two-row, you know, mid-size SUV, best three-row mid-size SUV. If you need a lot of legroom and cargo space, um, you know, the two-row mid-size SUVs. Um, and the best one for families is the Ford Edge. And that's a really nice choice if you have, you know, two older kids. Um, and dogs, or if you have kids in car seats, because you get that extra leg room in the back seat. Um, it's also a good choice if you have, um, you know, maybe an older family member living with you and who maybe has some decreased mobility issues because it's not too high to climb into and not too low to sit down into. Um, but we also have, you know, smaller SUVs in classes. The one thing that we did differently with the awards this year compared to previous years, um, we actually limited the number of classes that um, we considered. So we used to do, you know, hey, this is the best compact car for families. Um, and after, you know, years of testing um, cars with with me and my editors and you know putting our own kids in there we thought you know what these just aren't very good cars for families you know there are there are some options that are better better than others in those classes but if we really want to focus on people who are buying a family car we really just tightened up the classes and, and focused in on the ones that make the most sense what do you mean a Porsche 911 Carrera is not a great car for a family is you know, dis- despite the fact that my husband keeps trying to convince me that that would be an excellent family car, and despite the fact that I grew up in the backseat of my dad's Carrera, um, no, it's not the best family car. <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about you mentioned the you mentioned the Ford Edge. You know, uh, my producer Dennis, who you just talked to a minute ago, he is uh, six foot four ish. Um, has a son. Do you have a dog? Yeah, we have a Chihuahua. You have, oh, okay. The Chihuahua <laughs> doesn't take up a lot of room, but but still, you know, traveling safely, you might want to put the Chihuahua in a crate. Uh, what what would be a what would be a good car for him and his wife and his son and the Chihuahua? Him, the wife, the son, the Chihuahua. You've got two great options, uh, especially with being six foot four. One would be the Chevrolet Traverse. If you're just looking for a midsize SUV, a little bit more crossoverish, a nice smooth car-like ride. Tons and tons of space, though, so you can Dennis can slide his seat all the way back. Still have plenty of room, and the you know the back seat passengers won't be too squished. But really, like my favorite, if you my favorite car for families, if you need space and that's your main priority, and I'm so glad that it won, since my opinion doesn't really play a lot of weight in these since it's data driven. It's a Ford Expedition. Um, this is one where it has you know an incredible amount of space. You could actually put adults in the third row if you have you know aunts and uncles visiting you know it's st patrick's day big irish family everybody can fit Mm. in the ford expedition um it also has loads of features for keeping everybody happy so you've got usb ports throughout the cabin so if you've got a teenager who doesn't want to talk to you they can plug in their phone keep it charged and ignore you to their heart's content there is you know space in the second row we actually had one of these um while my in-laws were visiting and they were just um, just so impressed by the second row that they had so much legroom, even behind my husband, who is over six feet tall. They still had plenty of room. Um, the other nice thing about it is you can put car seats in the second row and the third row. Mm. Um, so it's you can if you've got you know four kids in car seats, this is going to work really well for you. And you know whether you've got a Chihuahua or I've got a Labrador, um, there's tons of cargo space in the back. Yeah, same, about the same size. You know, only about a 50 pound difference. But um, there's tons of cargo space in the back. Um, or you know the Chihuahua would have plenty of space in a crate if you wanted to secure the crate in one of the seats you know this thing has got enough seats for everybody um the other thing that i really liked about it 
and that you know came through in, in a lot of the reviews that we analyzed is you know this is a big three-row SUV which can be daunting for a lot of people to drive, um, but it's actually very car-like. You know, I had no troubles you know whipping it in and out of the daycare parking lot, going to the grocery store, just kind of doing that daily family life. Um, and it was one of those cases where it was like, man, I wish we had a road trip to take because this is an awesome car. It would be an awesome car for it. Mm. Was there anything that as you were compiling things together, um, like you said, you, your input doesn't necessarily weigh that heavy on everything. But there's, was there anything that as you were doing this, you kind of scratched your head and went, hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, there were a couple of things where sometimes you look at the data and you're like, you know what, this might not have been my favorite family car, but I can see that the point that they're, that they're trying to make, um, and so it, or that, that it's coming through in the data. So, for example, uh, the best luxury compact SUV um, was the Audi Q5, and this is a great compact SUV, um, I think, for you know, a, large, a large swath of the population. Mm-hmm. If you're just empty nesters, this is a really nice SUV. It's fun to drive. If you have a family, it does have the space for it. And what really kind of put the Q5 um, over the top was the fact that car seats are so easy to install in it. That's a factor that we considered. Um, and it really was the one. And it's like, it was a really close race, I'll be honest, between uh, the Q5 and the Volvo XC60. And so, you know, to my mind, the XC60 is an, <clears throat> an excellent family car. I really like the infotainment system. I really like all the safety features. The Audi has all that stuff. Plus, once you get it down to it, if you're installing a car seat, the um, Q5 makes it so much easier. And that's based on um, ratings from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, um, who does you know car, car seat installation ratings. So that's one where I was a little bit surprised. The other one um, was the best minivan. Now, the best minivan for me, I mean, they're all family friendly. Mm. Like, you're not going to get a bad minivan. There's really just not a terrible one on the market. Um, but the Honda Odyssey won Best Minivans for Families. And when you look at kind of the features that Honda has packed into this thing, some of which are really useful, like the ability to slide the second row seats, you know, side to side and front and back so you can configure it for, a, you know, for the way that makes sense for your families. Other things in the Odyssey, I think, are a little gimmicky, like the cabin watch, which is where they have a camera in the back seat. So if you're driving, you can flip on the infotainment screen and see what your kids are up to. I think that's an interesting feature. I wish it had instant replay so you could really determine, you know, who started it. Um, but for me, like the, the honesty, the thing that killed it for me, even though it's a great overall minivan, is the, uh, the driver's armrest was way too high and you couldn't adjust it. So you either drove around with your shoulder up in your ear, if you're my height, which I'm about 5'3 on a good day, or you drove without an armrest. And so for me, I was like, well, this is it. This would take the Odyssey off my list. Um, but when you look at the amount of space and features, I mean, the fact that this thing has a built-in wet-dry vac, which is great for when kids get car sick, and you can just whip out the vacuum and vacuum up whatever they've done. And, you know, I say that having done that in an Odyssey, um, it is an excellent, excellent choice for families. And for, you know, as, as far as minivan goes, it's, it's pretty fun to drive. But you've also got, you know, the finalists which are the Chrysler Pacifica and the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. But those are great minivans as well, a little bit more of an upscale feeling. Um, but overall, you know, it's a minivan class. You're, you're not really going to be surprised at the winner because all of them are great. Just let me know when your kids get sick in a car before, if, if that happens before <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I'll yeah. send a note. Yeah. Don't worry. But, <laughs> hey, if it's got a built-in vacuum, Clean it right up. Yeah, I, I, I will admit the very first time I drove the Honda Odyssey, I was at a uh, car seat educational event, and there was a couple of people at the event, and they, and I said, "Oh, this is kind of a, a neat feature. It's got this." 
built-in uh, wet vac. And I swear, three people said I would buy this van just for that reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, it is, it is a handy thing, you know, whether you just have, you know, a couple of minutes while you're filling up, you can vacuum out the kids' car seats. Or when you have kind of, you know, not quite an emergency, but a, yeah. gee, we can't continue with our trip until we clean up the sick. Um, you know, it's, it's a great option, too. Yeah. No, and, and I can see why uh, Chrysler put uh, a vacuum cleaner in the Pacific just for that reason. It was, it was at first, it sounds like, yeah, what's the big deal? You know, you, break, you drag out your vacuum and clean your car once in a while. But having the vacuum right there makes a, makes a ton of sense. If people want to find out more information about uh, family-friendly cars or any of the other lists you put together, uh, where did they go? Yeah, you want to go to cars.usnews.com, all of our big award lists. We've got best cars for the money, best cars for family, best brands. So if you're looking for a truck, we'll tell you the best brand to buy your truck from. Looking for a car, best car brand, you know, best um, SUV brand. All of that's just at cars.usnews.com. And you can also go through all of our ranking lists and say, you know what, I'm in, I need a sports car, and I want the one that has the absolute best performance rating or you know, the best safety rating. I don't know why you're thinking of safety if you're buying a sports car, but you can go through and sort all the lists by that. Um, and again, these are all data-driven lists, so you're not having to worry about, you know, just one biased reviewer taking, um, sending you the wrong way. Yeah, and um, although not not necessarily today's subject, but best car for the money, What uh, do you remember what that is? Well, there, this is, again, it's a class-based one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on the class, but uh, we had, a, a, you know, we did it over um, 14 different classes. Um, interestingly, the, the uh, Ford Edge won Best Two Row SUV mm-hmm. for the money, um, again, so that's a great car. Um, if you're looking across, you know, the Honda CRV, best uh, best compact SUV for the money. This this award we did by looking at the positive reviews from critics, so how overall well that the car did in our rankings. Plus, we looked at um, average transaction price and five-year total ownership cost. So, you know, the whole idea is a lot of times you see like, oh, this is a this car is a great value, but then you learn about the car and you're like, well, it's not really a very good car. Our thinking is a car is not a good value unless it's a good car, too. So it combines this idea of quality and value. So it's a car that you're really going to enjoy owning over the long haul, but it's also going to be pretty easy on your wallet. My actual favorite from um, that list is the Kia Soul, which was the best compact car for the money. So it's nice to see that like a, a value-driven car can be fun, still have plenty of space, plenty of technology features, and actually not be too terrible to drive either. Yeah, no, the Kia Soul is a great car. Back to best cars for family. I didn't hear my favorite, uh, which I drove a month or so ago, which I think would have really been on the list, and that was the Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. <laughs> you know that the uh, the Grand Cherokee was close for the two row SUV, but um, yeah, unfortunately, we tend when we're running these, we de- we uh, we don't weight the performance score quite as heavily as we do in other awards. Surprisingly, yeah, for, for, for our listeners, cars. the Trackhawk is a seven hundred and seven horsepower Grand Cherokee, sort of the engine out of the Hellcat, slightly massaged a little bit for the Grand Cherokee, and it is just. Um, uh, Either either it is the stupidest thing that was ever built or the most brilliant thing that was ever built, one or the other. Yeah, it's incredible. That's one of those those uh, family cars without compromise because you can strap the kids in the back, you know, throw the throw the dog in the cargo area, go do your errands. When then when you drop them off at you know school, then you can really just burn rubber coming out of the parking lot um, and scare everybody on your street. Not that I'm recommending you do that, but you could do that. You did that. Um, didn't you? I would say the only one that comes close is the best uh, luxury three row SUV for families was the BMW X5, um, and you can have a lot of fun in that one. So it's always nice to find a family car that you know once you once you drop the kids off, you can have fun by yourself and. Yeah, no, absolutely. So one more time, the, the website address is? 
cars.usnews.com. Jamie, thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday. And for our listeners who may be listening online or something and they're in the uh, in the main area over the weekend, uh, they should tune into uh, Maine NPR this Monday at 1 o'clock where they'll hear you and I again on Maine Calling. Yep, looking forward to it. All right, Jamie, take care and thank you. Happy St. Patrick's Day and talk to you on Monday. All right, thanks, John. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Bye-bye. That was Bye-bye. Jamie Page Deaton, the editor of U.S news the auto section uh she is arguably one of the smartest people i've ever met she sounds like she sounds very knowledgeable she's very articulate like yeah yeah much more than me <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah no she she does it she does a great job and uh uh as part of work um you know i do a lot of other interviews sometimes with radio and tv stations and and uh about two years ago now i guess um the main NPR station was looking for someone to do an automotive seg- segment every six or eight weeks or so. Uh, they got in touch with Jamie because of who she is and what she does. And they were looking for somebody who could also answer some nuts and bolts questions about cars, too. And somehow they got a hold of me. I had to call our um, AAA club up in northern New England, which is located in Portland, and just say, hey, you know, it's your area, you know, if you, you know, they asked me to do it, but if you would, if, you know, what do you think? And they said, no, no, go ahead and do it. You know, you know more things about stuff that we don't know about, like autonomous vehicles and electric cars and hybrids and repairs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, no, go ahead, you know, we would be happy if you just did it and, you know, it was all good. So um, good stuff. And uh, it's turned into a regular segment. And uh, every once in a while, I actually sneak up to Portland and, uh, go visit and visit at the radio station. I don't get up to Portland very often, but it's a pretty cool area up there. So why don't we take a break, pay some bills? I'm sure we have some bills to pay around here because this place doesn't run for free. So why don't we pay some bills? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. Phone lines are open at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Uh, if you want to get through, our phone number is 617-770-3030, I got a little envelope in the mail from uh, one, of our, one of our listeners, Bill Nichols, who had been down in Florida for three weeks, lucky him. And he was down on the east coast of Florida on Delray Beach. But he sent me sent me a bunch of automotive pages from uh, from the local newspaper down there. So, Bill, thanks for that. Um, something kind of interesting that that came up that I, I don't know if he got got to go over to it was the uh, annual Boca Raton Concours d'Elegance. It was uh, uh, this past February, February twenty third to the twenty fifth, and there was a question and answer brunch with Jay Leno and Tim Allen. And it'd be relatively entertaining because um, on the uh, on the uh, uh, Jay Leno TV show, whatever it's called, Jay's Garage, Leno's Garage, whatever, yeah, whatever that, whatever it is that I don't see very often for some reason. Um, he had Tim Allen on it, and they, they had a bunch of goofy stuff that they did. They were racing, and police pulled them over, and kind of. St- Made up TV stuff, but it was pretty entertaining, and they're both they're both actually funny guys. So, yeah, and who knows? Maybe we'll see Jay Leno a lot more around here since he bought a half a mansion in Newport. He, well, it's still a bit of a ways away. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting though. He paid, I'm making up the number, fourteen million, but it's basically a condo because he shares it with somebody else. Now it's right on it's right on the ocean, but it was a it was a Big piece of property that they broke into individual condominiums a bunch of years ago, and he s- bought sort of like nine tenths of it. And the tenth tenth, I think, is the guy who owns the Providence Bruins, owns the end. So, but it, it, you, I don't know if I buy, if I spent that much money, I think I'd want my own house. I don't know if I'd want to well, share it. I mean, if say the whole house costs twenty four million dollars. Yeah. And he could get nine tenths of the house for fourteen million dollars. Yeah, but you gotta share himself ten million dollars. You gotta share a driveway with somebody. I don't know. Um, that driveway is more like Yeah, it's a street. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just it just seemed odd to me and uh, and nobody's quite sure why he bought it because um, Yeah, because he can. Yeah. You know, and he you know, and he's uh, he's gone on record to say this. He's never spent his tonight show money. All his money is uh, from endorsements Doritos. and stand-up, and yeah. he apparently he does stand-up every week in Las Vegas. Takes a private jet, flies to Las Vegas, does stand-up, comes back. And when he was doing the Tonight Show, uh, somebody I know went out and, to visit him and saw his car collection. But they said his pretty much the standard thing was he would get up around ten in the morning. Go into his where his cars are kept. Go tinker around for a while. Then he would get ready to do the TV show for I think the show aired or got put together around five. Finish the TV show up, and then he would um, they'd go back to his house and they'd plan the show for the next day with his writers. Then he'd go play with his cars for a little bit more. Go to bed at two in the morning, stay in bed till whatever, and then get up. And apparently every day ate a pizza. So that was sort of his life. So, okay. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the car that got me around last week, which was a car that I liked a lot, actually. The Mazda CX-5 that's been completely redesigned for 2018. 
The CX-5 comes in three trim levels powered by one engine, a 187-horsepower four-cylinder connected to a six-speed automatic transmission that can power the front wheel or all-wheel drive. Uh, safety is addressed with uh, many of the latest safety features standard uh, or on the mid and luxury levels. Uh, some of them actually come as um, standard features. Some you have to, they're optional. Uh, some of the features include automatic emergency braking, laser cruise control, lane keeping assistance, automatic headlights, high beam control. Our test uh, was in the fully optioned Grand Touring Edition with all-wheel drive. Driving the CX-5 uh, feels much more like a sports sedan and SUV. The handling is very secure. The ride's quiet and comfortable. The steering provides good feedback. The performance from the 187-horsepower four-cylinder engine is actually surprisingly good. 180 horsepower is plenty of horsepower today, but sometimes it just doesn't feel, depending on the car, it doesn't feel quite as zippy as you would think it should. Um, like I said, I expected the CX-5 to feel a little bit underpowered and was pleasantly surprised. Merging with fast-moving highway traffic or passing a slow-moving vehicle is accomplished with ease. The all-wheel drive system in our test vehicle was completely transparent. Although not designed for serious off-roading, the CX-5 should easily handle winters in New England. We got to experience winter in New England again, and maybe again this week. Yeah, that's yeah. the rumor. yeah. Although I did see some fake news yesterday, and I got suckered into it. Somebody reposted the weather re re storm report from last week and said, this is what's coming. <laughs> and it wasn't true, actually, because they don't really know yet. Uh, fuel economy is about average for this class of vehicle, 24 city, 30 highway. I was somewhere in the middle of that. The cabin of our touring CX-5 looked more like a luxury vehicle. The materials were all premium quality throughout. The heated steering wheel and seats were also a nice touch on cold days during my evaluation. Uh, George Kennedy, uh, when we had him on the show a couple weeks ago, called it the, uh, what do you call it, the holy triumvirate of uh, of vehicles when you have remote car start, heated steering wheel, and yeah, heated, heated seats. This does not have that. Didn't I? This didn't have the remote car start, but it had the heated seats and here heated steering wheel. The car that I'm driving today, which looks very much like the car you drive, Dennis, I was the Nissan Rogue, yeah, um, has heated seats, heated steering wheel, and remote start. Mine doesn't have a heated steering wheel. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but this one does. And uh, we'll have to next week when I review that car, you'll have to. Uh, comment about yours and see see what you what you like or dislike about it. Um, the combination of large rotary knobs and uh, steering wheel controls and buttons on the dashboard makes it a little bit less distracting, but it does require a little bit of a learning curve, but once understood, uh, I think it's better than some others. The rear seat is adequate for two adults. The cargo area is about average for a compact SUV, 31 cubic feet with the seats up. 60 cubic feet with the rear seats folded. Our test model also had a power lift gate, a handy feature when you're juggling bags and trying to get in the cargo area. The uh, CX-5 is Miata's most popular vehicle, and based on my time behind the wheel, it's easy to understand why. The premium carried improved engine performance as well as the sports sedan-like handling are just some of the reasons if you're looking for a compact SUV, the CX-5 should be at the top of your list. And again, powered by a 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine. EPA says 24-city 30 highway. I think I was 26, 27. Uh, prices tested. Well, this was fully loaded. Everything in it. Delivery about 33.5. So, not inexpensive either. So it's a CX-5. CX-5. Yeah. So that's one of the cars that my wife is looking at. Good choice. Um, because of the heated steering wheel and the heated seat. I thought she saw something that said that it had a remote start. Um, it, 
it, it could be. Maybe that was the one option that was missing on the one that I drove. But it, I'm sure if it – do you hear music? Yeah, I hear music. <laughs> um, yeah, if not, you could certainly, you could certainly get that. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's do the tough trivia question first. And, of course, the tough trivia question is going to be Mazda-based. What was Mazda's first rotary-powered vehicle in production? What was Mazda's first rotary-powered vehicle in production? If you know the answer, give us a call at 617-770-3030. I think it's a little bit hard because people may have forgotten about this car. But what was Mazda's first rotary-powered vehicle that went into production? If you know the answer, give us a call at 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Interesting uh, uh, clip from Automotive News. It says, Hyundai's Billboard Challenge to promote its new crossover, um, the Kona Electric. Uh, Hyundai has saw billboards around the Geneva Auto Show calling out Tesla CEO Elon Musk by name. Tesla is expected to reveal its own compact crossover, the Model Y, this year. And it says uh, uh, the first electric uh, compact SUV is here. And it says your turn, Elon. So uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to see how he responds to that. Another interesting story is it's called... Um, I guess it depends what you think about the uh, the robot uprising of sorts, but uh, autonomous vehicles are not immune to road rage based on, on uh, accident reports filed with the California Department of Motor Vehicles. Of the seven crashes involving autonomous vehicles reported so far this year, two involved people angrily attacking Chevrolet bolts that were being tested on the streets of San Francisco. In an incident on January 2nd, a bolt operated by General Motors' autonomous vehicle unit uh, Cruz was waiting on a green light for pedestrians to clear the crosswalk. The report says another pedestrian began shouting, began shouting, and uh, ran across the street against the do not walk light before throwing his entire body into the rear bumper and hatch, damaging the taillight. Several weeks later, an autonomous bolt being manually driven by a Cruz employee was stopped behind a taxi. The uh, taxi driver got out and slapped the bolt's front uh, passenger window, scratching it. In both cases, no one was injured. Police were not called. The other five incidents reported in January and February also were minor, with four of them blamed on the driver of another vehicle. The fifth happened when a Nissan NV200, that's their van, work van, uh, owned by uh, Drive AI, struck a piece of construction equipment while being driven in manual mode. Uh, so people, people are angry with self-driving vehicles. Why is that? Because people don't like change. People don't like change. Are they afraid of the robot uprising? Is that what it is? Well, according to the late great Stephen Hawking, we yeah. all should be. Yeah, you should be, right? You yep. should be should be afraid of it. So let's see who has the answer to trivia. And I don't know what the trivia prize will be yet. Like I said, I'm just kind of neatening up. I think we, we have this, I think we have this um, initiative coming at work where we're kind of going to like a clean desk policy. And my desk has stuff on it, you know, car stuff and things, and and uh, so I'm I'm slowly eliminating some of the things on my desk. I know I've given away a couple of Hemmings cars and trucks, 
uh, to winners. Last week we gave away a AAA membership, which uh, is a great prize, of course. And uh, but we're we're trying to we're trying to sort through some things. So when when this uh, when this memo comes out, whatever it is, uh, you know, I'll, be, I'll simplify things. Yeah. But let's talk to uh, Joe. Joe, good morning. Good morning. So I'm what do you think? What do you think? I, what was what well, was Mazda's first production rotary car? Well, my my guess is, and the thing that um, swayed me that it might possibly be it was a, when you said production, and it was uh, a sports vehicle, and I think it was the RX-7. Uh, that's what most people would think, and that's certainly their most popular, but that was not it. Well, okay. Well, okay. thank you. All right. Thank thanks, you. Joe. And happy St. Patrick's happy Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you as well. Thanks. All right. Let's go over to line two. Let's talk to Brendan. Brendan? 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 Brendan must have said, I thought it was the RX-7 too. Maybe that's up. Let's try one more time. Brendan? Brendan. Yeah, hello. Good hello. Morning. Hello. I, I was going to say the RX-7 also. I used to own one of those. It was a nice little, uh, it was a nice little ride. Did it burn much oil? It, it would use a quart of oil. Probably once a month they put a quart of oil in that car. Yeah. It was designed to do so. Yeah, it was because of the rotary-style engine. It had these, uh, uh, it was it was basically these big uh, triangles inside the engine that spun around. It had these seals That's on right. them, and the seals would start to wear a little bit over time and burn a little bit of oil. But, yeah, it well, wasn't. Was that it, engine once known as a Wankel originally? Yeah, it was known as a Wankel, Wankel rotary. It was, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. It was Dennis Wankel built it. I don't know. I'm making <laughs> up that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, built. And originally, that engine was licensed to General Motors, and that was going to be the engine that was either going to go in the Vega or one of those other cars about that same vintage, uh, like the Citation, and it was going to go in that car, and that's how that's how it was. Those cars were originally designed for that engine, and then they then they decided that the engine polluted a little too much, um, didn't have the characteristics they wanted it to, and uh, ended up putting the uh, little four-cylinder aluminum engine in the Vega, which anybody who's ever owned a Vega knows that was not a great choice. And then in the Citation, well, the, the 1980 Citation, when it first came out, may have not been the best car on the road either. So That's true. Yeah. Okay. But, good, but good try, though. We, we do try. Take there care. You go. All right, take care. Bye-bye now. I think we're going to Steve now. Steve, is that you? Yeah, hi. Good morning, John. Good morning. Hi. Uh, I'm going to guess it's probably like the Mazda RX-1. Well, you know, you know, if you were using the WD-40 analogy of, you know, the, you know, the first 39 versions didn't work, so that's why they come out with WD-40, uh, right. you would have been close, but that's not it either. Okay, I'm sorry. Right. Well, ha happy St. Patrick's Day. Same to you. Take care. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. Like I said, I thought this would be a tough one. Let's try Mike. Michael, is that you? Mike? Mike? Hello. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. I'm just having a cup of coffee, heard the thing, and I thought I'd give it a guess. I'm going to say the Cosmo. You are correct. How's that, huh? For yeah. reading road and track for 40 years. There you go, yeah. Um, I think I only remember seeing one or two of those cars. Um, and uh, it, it was... Uh, it was a car that people sort of well, I guess any Mazda back in that day, a lot of people, not a lot of people, kind of they looked at it and said, "Why would you buy one of those?" And what's that engine? And it makes funny sounds. And 
Uh, but the the rotary engine, I don't, I don't know. The rotary engine's coming back. What I read just recently, so I saw that too. I yeah. saw it too. That was. I mean, I think once they get the, I think they got the apex seals yep. fixed now. Yeah. And once they get that done, and once they get the, it used to be the fuel mileage. Yeah, the fuel, the, mi- the fuel mileage wasn't great, and the uh, and the uh, emissions levels were a little bit higher than what could be tolerated. But I remember I drove the very last version of the RX when it came out. It was sort of on a. Uh, uh, kind of on a victory lap tour, I guess. It was the last one. And what, you know, what an enjoyable car to drive. It was uh, it was, it was, was just fun to drive. It had crazy, crazy horsepower and performance and still a very popular car today with uh, with uh, enthusiasts. So, yeah. But the, uh, Cosmo, a, the Cosmo Sport, maybe not so much. I got the, uh, I got a Miata. I had it for about six years. I love it. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Just, it's just great. Yeah, you know? I can't fit in this. Yeah, Dennis can't fit in the Miata. He doesn't think he can at least, so. Well, we can stretch it for him. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the yeah the the Miata the Miata is a great car, and uh, and over the uh, fall I drove the uh, retractable roof version, uh, not the like not that? yeah the R the RF the uh, and it just has a little different lines to it, different look. Um, it was it was actually a real nice car, and I liked it better than the uh, retractable hardtop regular Miata because that one with the with the metal roof up. I actually felt, and I never feel claustrophobic, but that one I felt a little bit claustrophobic. The RF, I didn't feel that way at all. And, of course, like all Miatas with the roof down or um, top down, they feel so, they feel so, they're, they're just fun cars to have and, um, and, and really, really trouble-free and simple and just fun cars. So, yeah. Hey, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. I got you on the line because I have to get rid of my Miata uh, because of my feet. I got some peripheral neuropathy mm-hmm. in my feet. Uh, caused by Agent Orange poisoning in the war. Oh, jeez. Well, life goes on. Anyways, i got to go to an automatic. I've always had sports cars my whole life. And I'm thinking, what do you think about a uh, like a 15-year-old Mercedes, one of the 450s? Are they really that expensive that you hear people talk about to own? I mean, or do I go for an automatic? I hate to go for an automatic Miotic, so I just don't think they have enough power. Uh, and I'm trying to think where to go. Don't want a Corvette had those, mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm looking at my list. I, I, I got to go auto. I just got rid of it. The uh, I can't shift because I can't feel the clutch pedals. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the uh, you know any you know whether it's a BMW or a Mercedes or an Audi, depending on how much you drive it and how it was taken care of, the repairs can get pricey. Um, you know, it's not obviously it's not going to be a car you drive every day. You know, do people have 15 year old you know, Mercedes, you know, 450 SLs that they drive, you know, on weekends and nice days and go out and enjoy it. Yeah, they do. And, you know, and it probably, you know, could it be a good choice, but you really want one that was taken care of. Um, and you're going to pay, you're going to pay for that too. Um, same thing, you know, somebody I know just bought a, uh, Porsche Boxster, uh, and it's an automatic and, you know, people said, "Oh, it's an automatic." Well, it's still a very enjoyable car to drive. The thing—the thing was a 2003 or four or five, something like that. Only had 15,000 miles on it. Thing looks brand new. It acts brand new. Um, but he'll be a little bit shocked when he brings it in for the first service because it is—it is going to get expensive. Somebody, somebody else I know um, who drives a Honda Civic always wanted a always wanted a sports car. Found a 2003 911. Um, and they said the 
one of the reasons they w- they bought it was it just had the four thousand dollars service done to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you're gonna you know some some things you're gonna you, you're gonna need to pay up for uh, to get the you know get get what you want and the and you know what you know the the enjoyment you want to get out of it. But there are some you know there are some great automatic transmission cars. I mean, you know if you if you if you think you know extreme, uh, you know. Almost every Ferrari these days are, you know, have automatic transmissions of sorts. You know, yeah, that's out of my price yeah, range. Yeah, but. yeah, out of most people's price range. Your your six year old Miata might be in my price range. So, well, I'll tell you, it's, it's the best Miata. kept it's kept in uh, storage all year, heated storage in a storage garage. Wow. So I'll let you know in the spring. I'll send you an email in, the, uh, in a month or so. Yeah. Some, yeah. Or one of your listeners may want it because it's you know I'm uh, one of those guys with a car nut. You know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. uh, and I'll let you know. I'll put it out in the air. Yeah. Maybe, we'll, maybe we can have some sort of a charity event. We never know, okay? Yeah, yeah or maybe, maybe I could just buy it. And, you know, maybe I could, you can just buy it. Okay, yeah, I'll give you, I'll yeah. give you a shot. You, yeah. Okay, I'll give you first crack at it. All okay? right, all right. Stay right, right there. Let me get your address down, and uh, we'll we'll send you out something that you don't have Thanks. already. So stay right Thank there, Mike. Much. Thank you. Uh, and we will do uh, we will do trivia later. Uh, we'll do another trivia question later, just just because. And uh, that one, this one's going to be a little simpler one. I think we'll have a we'll have an answer right away. But you know, we kind of have to do it. So, um, one of the other things that I, I pulled out of the news uh, this week that I thought was sort of interesting is the acclaimed 2018 Honda Accords don't seem to be selling that well. The 2018 Honda Accord moved methodically down the line at the Maryville Auto Plant. And the production features uh, a bevy of enhancements, including uh, a quieter ride thanks to spray foam injected into the body cavities. The Santa Ana also provides more solid driving experience, a byproduct of his first ever use of high-performance adhesive. The new Accord, however, is leading a complicated life. Dealers have... Uh, dealers love the storage sedan, saying it's a formal package that tops the rival Toyota Camry. Some even say Honda's most impressive car to date. Even so, Honda dealers are struggling to sell it. Dealers everywhere are struggling to sell mid-sized cars. Some have resorted to uh, turning down shipments from the plant. The whirlwind of activity at the plant, therefore, is turning out to be the last action that many Accords would see for a while. Once they reach dealer lots, however, Honda's award-winning sedans are forced to sit. Inventory levels stood at 104-day supply on March 1st, high by any standard, let alone the Honda's typical sparse count. Uh, Dealers around the country blame a lack of enticing lease offers. Could be. Uh, Consumers are looking for deals, but they aren't finding any with the Accord, an improved specimen that carries a higher sticker price starting at $24,460 than the previous generation. This means uh, consumers who are lease uh, 2015 model, for instance, are assuming uh, who are returning to stores now to find their monthly payments will actually be going up. So um, I just saw a whole army of our Irish hosts walk in the door. So kind of interesting. Uh, Let's see where we're going now. Let's go to... uh, Let's go to George out in West Hartford, Connecticut. George, good morning. Good morning, John Paul. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thanks for being there. Um, my stepson has a 2002 Honda Civic. Mm-hmm. It has 262,000 miles. It's burning about a quart of oil a week. I mean, with that mileage, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, my question is, um, you look at the oil cap. It says to use um, 5W20. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's using 530, you know, to consume less oil. Mm-hmm. Do you 
do you think it would be too much to put a 1030 in this engine? I would put I would put 1030 in the engine once the warmer weather settles in. I might okay. not yeah, I might not do it right now. Um mm-hmm. one th- one thing I would try and I'm not a big fan of additives, but there and mm-hmm. I, and I assume it's still on the market. I haven't haven't walked the additive shelf lately, but um there there was an additive called Restore. Okay. Um and it's supposed to, like all additives, you know, it's supposed to do magic. You pour it in. But I know some people who used it and had really good luck with it. And they put the they put the additive in. They added, they you know, and it actually reduced oil consumption. It reduced smoking. And mm-hmm. it worked until they changed the oil again. Then they had to add the additive back again. But look, look, right. for, look for it. It's, 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 called, it's called Restore. And... Um, you know, see, see, see if it's still, see if it's still on the market. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't particularly expensive. It was a, it was a pretty good product, and uh, you know, it, it might help with that kind of miles on it, and uh, and see what happened. I was just, I was just googling real quick here to see if it's still, yeah, restore engine treatment for older cars, restore USA. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's still around. It's a, like I said, it's an oil treatment. Um, like I said, I've talked to everybody from, you know, people with older cars that tried it to, um, you know, use car dealers that, you know, you know, took a car in and said, oh, now what am I going to do with it? And again, it's, uh, it says, uh, let's say mile after mile, friction gradually wears out engines, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, by the time cars reach 100,000 miles, they may have lost 10% to 20% of the original compression. Restore engine, restore and lubricant is the only product proven to repair worn cylinders and restore compression back to near original levels. This means you'll have more horsepower, less oil burning, better fuel mileage. Um, I don't know, for 20 bucks or something, it might be worth giving it a shot. Yeah, definitely. And I don't can, see what you got you can, to lose. Can, I'll definitely try it. Yeah, and you can buy it apparently at Walmart. So, Okay. All right. Uh, second question, if sure. that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how much would it cost, um, rough estimate, do you think, to adjust the valves in this motor? Because I know Hondas are probably the last engine that you have to adjust the valves. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not that – are they noisy? What's going on with it? Yeah, right. so they're, they're a, little, a little noisy. I don't know if that's part of the mileage or – Yeah, it's probably more part of the mileage than anything else. I mean, you could you could certainly – you know, you could certainly have them checked, but there it's it's a little it's a little bit more complicated than some. I mean, the good thing about them mm-hmm. being noisy is, you know, at least you know the valves are closing. Um, but good, um, good point. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, at this at this age, I don't know that y- you're going to gain a whole lot from it really doing a valve adjustment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I. Um, but like. You know, it's it's got to be, you know, if I had to if I had to just take a flat out guess, you know, it's probably an hour and a half worth of labor to do the valve adjustment. You know, plus a valve cover gasket when you're done. And uh, mm-hmm. but let's see, let's see if I can, let's see if I can find something here that says um, nope. I was looking to see if I could find something that says how much it would cost generally to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Hang on. Let's see. 
Okay. Well, yeah, 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 I was, yeah, I was, I was about right. It was at one point. It's one point two hours. So I said an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the cost of a gasket, so you're going to spend a couple hundred bucks to do a valve adjustment. I don't know. You'll get that much benefit out of it. Right. Yeah. But even then, in today's world, sadly, that's not that much money if you're no, spending like, isn't, two, three hundred dollars. Yeah, but for you know, if the car is running reasonably well, seems reasonably strong, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for two hundred dollars mm-hmm. worth of parts and labor. Um, you know, you can you can buy a hundred quarts of oil. That's you know? a great point. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that I think I would, unless it was, unless you said to me, "Oh, it feels like it's got no power at all. It's running rough. Um, the the valves are really, you know, clattering like there's no engine oil in the in the car." Then you know, then maybe mm-hmm. I look into it. But right now, mm-hmm. right now, I just let them be a little bit noisy and and write it off to two hundred and somewhat thousand miles. Okay, thank you okay. so much for your All right. opinion, and have All right. a great Saturday. All right, take care, George. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. We need to take another break, and when we come back, we'll hurt Dennis with trivia again. I know, he's shaking his head. I was a little disappointed. I thought the Irish guys were going to come in and say hello. They came in like a pack. It was, yeah, they're packing up a truck yeah. right now. they got yeah, a lot of remotes. They're I busy saw, today. I, it's a busy yeah, day. I saw, I saw Johnny Costello. I think I saw Matt. I saw Bobby Brooks. They're all, They're all getting ready to go out there. We'll be right back. As I pull away slowly, feeling so holy, God knows I was feeling.
the other side of the street I knew Still a girl that looked like you I guess that's deja vu But I thought this can't be true Cause you moved to West LA Or New York or Santa Fe Or wherever to get away from me Oh, but that one night Was more than just right Of Boston. Johnny Costello came in. He's got a big day planned for today. They're all over the place. He said they're they're at, Ms. at McSwiggins in uh, um, Weymouth. Not to be confused with McGwiggins and Whitman. It's very confusing to me. <laughs> but I don't even know what you're saying there. I'm like, what? <laughs> Anyways. Um, Do you know where McSwiggins in Weymouth is? I think so. It's changed names. Like, it's been, yeah. like, a bunch of different places, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a, um, some it was a barbecue place for a oh, while. Oh yeah, yeah, I know yeah. where. It, yeah, yeah, and I know exactly before, where it is. Then yeah, before yeah. that, that it was a, some sort of martini bar. Yeah, and then before that, it was a seafood place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I, I've been in there a couple of times, and uh, food's always good. Um, reminder yeah. for this coming Thursday with the RMV. Good point. Good point. This call, uh, call if, in, that wasn't me. If you haven't gotten your inspection sticker yet, which I need to. Or if you haven't gotten your license renewed and it's due soon, pretty much the registry, and we talked about this with Junior D'Amato last week, um, the registry is going to shut down um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Well, it should be back up and running on Monday, but go (laughs) go see if that's really going to happen the way it should. state we're talking about. Yeah. Um, because there, there is a um, the registry has been using a system called ALARS. ALARS is a computer system that basically runs everything. When the police department check on your driver's license, if you get stopped for something, they run it through ALARS. When we at AAA log on to the registry website to do a driver's license renewal, we go on the ALARS system. If you're old enough to remember the first computer you turned on and it didn't have a mouse and it came up with a C colon dot 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 dot. That's the system. That's how old it is. Yeah. And they're replacing ALARS with Atlas. Sure. Who, who picks the names? But the uh, but the ALAR the ALAR system's going away. The Atlas system is coming back. And to do the switch over they need a few days of no activity. So based on that, if you need an inspection sticker and you have zero confidence that a week from Monday the system's going to be not running, you might want to get it tomorrow or today. Not tomorrow, but Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. That was what I was going to say. Can you get an inspection sticker on Sundays? Some pla- there's a few there's a few places around it. You know, they're you know mostly like the chain stores that might okay. happen to have inspection stations. You know, maybe some of the Sullivan Tires that have inspection that might be open on a Sunday might be doing that. Um, so it kind of really it really kind of depends on that. But um, but yeah, you want to if you need an inspection sticker, you probably want to do it now because when they switched over to the new inspection program this year, um, the system was basically 
out of service for about a week, and there was some thoughts that, oh, maybe the registry will grant people a week-long waiver. That never happened. They said, sorry, you got to get your sticker, and that's all there is to it. Um, what happened right around Valentine's Day this year is uh, they. I was just looking out the window at the truck, and I saw a giant green leprechaun in the back of one of our vans. Just struck me as a little bit odd. Um, but the... Uh, but what happened? What happened this year uh, on Valentine's Day is they uh, finished the switchover on the inspection program and got all the cameras up and operational. Um, unlike when they started the program, they started it on the first of the year, which probably wasn't the wisest thing to do something uh, like that. So what they're doing right now, the dates they picked, the twenty third, fourth, and fifth, or whatever it is, whatever that Friday, Saturday, Sunday is. Um, that's the time of the month that is usually the slowest because people that are overachievers that like want to do everything the very first of the month, the registry is always crowded. Inspection stations are always crowded. People that are um, lax about doing those things and they go, oh, yeah, I didn't get my inspection last month. Um, I'll get it at the first of the month. So the first of the month always tends to be busy. The very end of the month always tends to be busy. So they picked a time where historically the numbers were down so it wouldn't be quite as busy, quite as inconvenient. But again, if you trust that everything's going to go great and you want to wait till the 29th or 30th of March to get your inspection sticker, that's fine. It's a big undertaking. And even though they're planning and working real hard to make it all work and the registry has some great IT people that make it all work, um, it's a big undertaking. I wouldn't be surprised if something didn't work. I mean, I mean, this storm, this storm knocked a bunch of stuff out where the registry couldn't do their job. And I mean, everything's connected to the internet, and when the internet goes down, stuff goes bad. So, also, because um, I read this, um, just because the systems are down, people, when you if you get pulled over, doesn't mean that the cops can't, the police can't look into your files. Still, they even though that system is down, they still have access to it. So. Anything and everything is still available to all the police officers. So don't give them a hard time if things go a little no. slow. Have no. a little bit more patience if yeah. you happen to yeah. get pulled over. Yeah, it, yeah. My, my experience with law enforcement, and I work with law enforcement a fair amount, is they're just people doing their job. Don't give, them a, don't give them a hard time. They don't want to pull you over. No. You're the one that's being yeah. dumb, yeah. and they have to pull you over. Yeah. And, and I remember there was a guy I knew who worked a couple towns away from here, and he got moved into traffic, and he's like, it's the worst job he ever had because he pulls people over, they're mad at him, and then when he doesn't pull people over, they're mad at him. So, you know, especially if he's in a neighborhood somewhere where somebody's complaining about speeders, and he says, usually what happens, and this is, I've heard this from more than one case, usually what happens, the people I pull over are the same people that complain, and they live in that neighborhood. And they're like, well, it's not me that's speeding. They're like, well, look at the radar gun. It was you that was speeding. So, um, again, let the let let them do their job. Your brother's in law enforcement. Sort yeah. Of. Yeah. FBI yeah. or something? DEA. Something like that. Yeah. I know it was something. Spook. What? <laughs> <A> spook. <laughs> okay. I don't know. He's not, he's not counterintelligence or anything? No. Come on. Make no. up a good story, at least, you know? Um, well, I'll tell It was a great story. He got... Um, he was um, very, um, very integral into an investigation into one of the largest organized gangs in um, the United States, out in that area and throughout the United States. Um, and um, when they, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, when they finally did move into arrest um, the majority of the gang and a lot of the higher ups in the gang, 
he was home here visiting, so he wasn't part of that portion of it. But because of his investigation, um, the attorney general at the time actually flew out um, from Washington to L.A. just to visit him and his um, DEA partner um, and just to give them accommodation for the work well done. Did he go undercover? Did he look like a gang member? Yeah, he goes undercover a lot. Wow. Wow. That's a good story. That's a good story, yeah. No, um, I, I work with I work with a woman in her first fifteen years of her life. She worked for the CIA. And I always say, I always used to say, Donna, what'd you do? What'd you do? She, Can't tell you. I'm like, come on, can't tell you. So, anyway, I promised we would do an easy trivia question based on well, you know, it's it's St. Patrick's Day, so you have to. What is the probably most infamous car ever made in Ireland? What was the most infamous car ever made in Ireland? And it wasn't the Shamrock, by the way, which was also, the Shamrock was also made in Ireland. Um, where else could it be made with a name like that? So it was not the Shamrock. What was the most infamous car made in Ireland? And the rules are, if you've won lately, you can't win again. So give it, give it a chance to somebody else. So what was the most infamous car made in Ireland? If you know the answer to that, we will give you a prize of some sort or another. Like I said, there was the, you know, there's also, you know, Ford built cars in Ireland, uh, but but what was the most infamous? If people don't get this one, I'm going to cry. Really? You're really going to cry? Maybe. All right. Okay. All right. So I don't want Dennis to cry. He, he did have a late night after all, so he was busy all night. And, um, the... Um, BMW says it's reviving the 8 Series name for uh, range-topping line as it focuses on a, a um, profit-boosting high-margin luxury cars. Think, think luxury cars and high margins. Uh, the coupe convertible and four-door to be badged. The Grand Coupe will make up with the lineup. The compact unveiled, the concept unveiled in Geneva is a four-door high-performance um, M-Badge version production of the four-door is set to begin next year. The BMW 8 Series will take over as the new flagship model of the uh, BMW lineup. Uh, as such, it combines unsurpassed sportiness and elegance, according to the Senior Vice President of Design for BMW Group. Here's my thoughts on that. I like the 8 Series BMW, except in the 80s. And in the 80s, there was the 840 and the 850. And maybe when they came out, they looked pretty good. But boy, did they age quick. Um, for instance, if you were ever a fan of Miami Vice, the very first car, the fake Ferrari they had, the Daytona, from it was supposed to be, from, I think it was a 70s, 60s, 70s car, really a Corvette with a fiberglass body, but... Um, Car had kind of timeless elegance to it. Thing looked great all the time. Then they got the Ferrari Testarossa. Wide body car. Looked good for a couple of years. Then afterwards it was like everything that was bad about the 80s. Hair bands. Nothing? No, I figured. No. Glam rock. I was I'm not a glam rocker. No. I, I mean uh, I like the the some that I like, but I'm not I'm more harder than Yeah, I know. Sorry. I know. It was uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, just, uh, just a point. That's all. Let's talk to uh, let's talk to Paul and Braintree and see if he knows the answer. Paul. Good morning. Good morning. I, I, I know the answer, but I'm going to let somebody else. All right. 
you know, I, I think I've won enough over the years. Um, but, you know, think movies and you'll probably get yeah. it. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and since uh, Dennis Dennis is a science fiction fan, like I said, this this would be like not knowing not knowing who Luke's father is yeah. in Star Wars. Who is Luke's yeah. father? Yeah. <laughs> the, um, uh, I'm your father. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the... Um, he also does CNN, doesn't he? Yes, I mean, he, uh, yeah. he did. He did. <laughs> the, uh, the reason I, I actually had a reason for calling, uh, and they got distracted. The uh, I was kind of shocked I, uh, that I got a recall uh, on my master, the the uh, passenger airbag, and I imagine anybody who has a similar one, uh, is is being recalled. Uh, the um, it re- applies to my vehicle that the uh, airbag inflator needs to be replaced actually i'm taking it in next week they mm-hmm. didn't have a part yet but um is that a common problem that both of them um, need to be I, I wonder why they just didn't replace them both at the same time that would have been probably more it, cost um i think i think it really had to do with you know further testing came up and it looked at age related issues or they just said you know what the car is you know 25% more likely to be driven by the driver than have a passenger in the car. Chances mm-hmm. are the passenger. My, I have a coworker who also has a Mazda 6 and hers. She got the notice in the mail, and she was hoping because her car was involved in a minor fender bender. And when she got it back from the body shop, it came, out, came back with an airbag code in it, and it ended up being a seat sensor that went bad. We'll say coincidentally. I don't, don't buy coincidences that much, but... Um, and she said, you know, oh, I spent $450 to get the airbag fixed, and now I got a recall notice. And I said, what was the recall notice? And it was exactly the same one you got. And I said, no, one doesn't have to do with the other. Um, this has to do with the deterioration of the inflator and all of that. So, yeah, go ahead and get it done. You yeah. Know. I mean, what, is, what was the other uh, problem she had? With oh, her? she had, it was actually a sensor under the seat. Okay. Yeah, and that could have been from moisture... You know, and who knows? Maybe the body shop, I don't know, left it outside with the window open. I don't know. Who, know, who knows what kind the, of uh, I think on mine there's a little light that goes on if no one is sitting yep. uh, in the passenger yep. seat. Does that deactivate it? Yeah. 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 When, it, when, it, when no one's sitting there, it shuts the airbag off. Or if you put, you know, if you put a 50-pound kid in the front seat, same thing would happen. The airbag stays shut off. It's interesting. When I carry all my junk to the radio station, my laptop and bag that i carry with me that's got my entire life in it and some cars i put it on the passenger seat and it actually says to buckle the seatbelt because the bag apparently weighs enough um that it thinks there's something wrong my own my old hyundai uh the passenger seat sensor actually was bad and you'd get in it sometimes and it would work and other times it wouldn't and they ended up having to replace the switch in there but yeah yeah no go ahead and get it you know get yeah. it done get it done and you know while it's there they'll try to sell you a new mazda well, they do that all the time. Yeah. They don't, I like mine better. Uh, but it looks like they must be doing pretty well. They uh, they tore down the old yellow cab building. Yeah, I saw that. Gonna build. Uh, that's where the new Mazda uh, showroom is. Oh, be. okay. Because I, I drove. I, I that's kind of my way to get here every Saturday, and I saw them not saw them knock it down, and um, you know, I guess that I don't know where the yellow cabs went, but yeah, I think they went out of business. To be yeah. Honest. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Our, they were someone else bought them. Someone yeah. told me. So yeah. They, so. Uh, yeah. They've been bought out. Uh, yeah. Uber and Uber and and, and, and Lyft, and I guess have really yeah that, put it that, that hasn't uh, that hasn't helped uh, a lot. Yeah, but, but uh, that building of is 
older than I am. There you uh, go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> All so, right. uh, but yeah, we'll take it in. I just didn't know whether it was a general recall uh, on other cars besides Mazda. No, it's it's uh, it's on it's on specifically your model. So get it taken care of. Thanks, okay. Paul. Well, good luck. I hope someone wins a trivia. All right. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. We need to take another break. Uh, oh, no. Let's get to Bill first. We'll get to Bill first, then we'll take another break. Bill. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. So what was yeah, the listen, answer What was the answer to trivia? Uh, it sounds pretty simple, but I think it was just the DeLorean. It was the DeLorean. It was simple, and you're right. <laughs> just like I wish that. They were all that simple. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we we got we to gotta throw a simple. It's, it was the best I could do for uh, a... Uh, St. Patrick's Day trivia question, so. Well, it was obviously the best John DeLorean could do, too, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The, John, the John DeLorean story is kind of a kind of a weirdly twisted, interesting story, so. Yeah. I'll tell you what, stay, stay right there, and uh, Dennis will take down your address, and we'll send you out some fabulous prize, but don't expect a cruise to the Caribbean right. or anything, okay? And listen, uh, thank that previous caller for deferring that uh, question. That's there you go. Right. All right. All right, thanks, Bill. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Take care. Bye, bye. All right, Dennis, we'll take care of that. We'll uh, we'll do a few commercials, and uh, we'll pay some bills and do a bunch of other stuff. And when we come back, maybe we'll talk to you. If you have a question about your car, this would be a good time to call in six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL. Or if you're listening on the FM signal, wherever that is, I have no idea where it is, but it's 100.3. I'm just going to say it's north of Boston. I don't know. Sure. Sure, because sure. if, you, if you try to listen to it around here or around where I live, you don't do so well. So um, I was talking about the cars made in Ireland and uh, there was a there was a few in 1980s. There was a TMC Costin, and it was made by the Thompson Motor Company. And uh, it was a lightweight sports car built from 1983 to 1987. It was to rival the Caterham Super Seven, which nobody really knows what that is either, unless you watched. There was an old sort of sci-fi movie, not sci fi series. Um, the name it was from the 60s and they it was a lotus super seven that was in that was in it and it was an english thing and it was uh people all lived in this one community and they all had numbers for names like you're mr I remember seven. what you're trying to yeah. say i just yeah. can't think of it i think that had a I think that had a you're, super you're tapping seven. into some early childhood yeah there. yeah yeah it was a long time ago um the chassis itself was designed by uh, Frank Costin. He's the one that put the uh, cause in Marcos. The body was made largely with fiberglass with an aluminum inner tray and side panels. The top and rear section of the body were open uh, and protection from the elements involved attaching some plastic panel. There was also something uh, called the AW, ATW, uh, which was uh, nicknamed the Beetle. Uh, they made... Uh, they estimated that a, a thousand people would be employed in the plant, but less than 100 ended up working there. The target of 15, 18,000 vehicles also set by the time uh, they built just uh, about 130 to 150 of these trucks. There was also at the 1970 Dublin Motor Show, 1907 Dublin Motor Show, the Ailes, Aylesbury Brothers exhibited a four-seat automobile, which was constructed entirely of Irish wood. And had solid rubber tires. It was powered by an 8 to 10 horsepower Stevens engine. And except for the engine and gearbox, which was wholly constructed um, at this uh, factory, um, they just made nine of them. Not too, so, again, not too many Irish cars, Irish manufactured cars. So there was also something I have called. A question. Yes. You just said solid rubber tires. Yeah, yeah. As in, like, it doesn't need air. Like, it's solid. Yeah, through. solid rubber, like, uh, like on a wagon or a child's bicycle tricycle how would that ride horrible <laughs> <It'd be> terrible <laughs> wonder why they only made three of them uh yeah not not good at all not good at all well last weekend i fixed my own car for a change um i was going to be the i was going to be the triple typical um bad attitude consumer a couple weeks ago um my car has had a Traction control, airbag, traction control, and um, anti-lock brake issue for about a couple of months, I guess. And you drive the car around town; it's perfect, nothing, no problems. You don't notice. You get you get up to highway speed. You drive for anywhere from a couple of miles to twenty or thirty miles. All of a sudden, the ABS light comes on, the traction control light, and then the four-wheel drive light starts to come on. You drive the car, you slow down, you shut it off, you restart it. Uh, the ABS and the traction control light goes off, you restart it again, and the four-wheel drive light goes off, and then it performs normally with no problems until all that stuff starts up. I finally decided it's time to look at it, 
And because I didn't think there was a problem for a while, then I decided to look at it. And one of the reasons I looked at it, I didn't have a scan tool that would read anti-lock brake codes or, or body control codes like that. So I was using a scan tool from Harbor Freight, which turned out to be a really good little scan tool for a short money. And I was able to scan for codes, and it came up with a rear, right rear ABS sensor code, which I was assuming it was left front because, uh, I mean, right front because I had an I had a ball joint and an axle put in sometime last year, and I assumed that from banging it around, they probably knocked around a sensor or something. And I ended up bringing it to a repair shop, and I said to the guy at the repair shop, it's the right rear code comes up, and... Um, and the, uh, not that that's any big deal, but I said, I'll, I'll let you know, I haven't even crawled under it to look what it looked. For all I know, it's unplugged and it's dangling in the breeze. I don't know. I haven't, haven't even looked at it. So he calls me up about an hour later and says, we looked at it. It actually needs an axle shaft because the, uh, the, there's, the way anti-lock brakes work, there is a sensor and a ring that looks like a gear. And the gear has teeth in it. And as the gear turns around it measures the electronic pulses from that and that's how it knows whether the wheel locks up or doesn't so based on all that he says the 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 abs tone ring has a crack in it and that's why the light's coming on i said well that makes perfect sense and he said the problem is you can't get the ring separate which i knew that and he said you're going to have to get an axle i can't get an i can't get an axle locally i can get one at the dealer the one at the dealer is like 700 bucks I said, let's not do that. And he said, I can get one. I should get it in a week or 10 days. It's like $150. I said, okay, let's do that. So what was a little bit disappointing, last time when I put a front axle in it, I ordered a part from Rock Auto, and they actually sent a rear axle by mistake. I should have kept it instead. I should Knowing that someday I guess I was going to use it, but that wasn't the case. Um so I uh, so I sent it back, and uh, that's probably it's probably exactly the same one I'm going to get when I get it when I get it back again. Um, but they're going to take care of it. But my story is, I brought the car there with a ABS traction control and four wheel drive light that was on, or on and off. I got in the car to pick it up. They called me up and said, "You might as well just come and get it. We can't do anything to it today." I got in, and the check engine lights on. I'm like. So what do you usually say when you bring a car in or you bring anything anywhere for something and something different is finished, happened when you picked it up? You say, what'd you do to my car? Well, check engine light wasn't on when I came here. What'd you do to my car? But the real story is when I got gas that morning, that morning I went to get gas and I filled the gas tank up and I went to start the car and it was like, and it didn't start up right away. I'm like, what the, what's this all about? Shut it off for a second, started up, started up, ran a little bit funny. Check engine light never came on. But what happened was there's a part called a, a evaporative purge valve. And when I got the car back from the dealership, I scanned it for code, or when I got the car back from the repair shop, I scanned it for codes and came up with two kind of weird codes that could indicate anything from an oxygen sensor problem to an intake manifold leak to a bunch of different things. But I did a little bit of research and said, no, all these codes in the hard starting after fill-up is actually caused by evaporative emissions issue. So this evap solenoid. 
So Dennis was talking about my cheapness today, earlier before the show went on the air, my frugality. And um, so I called up the local auto parts store and said, how much for, well, I called up a dealership. I said, how much for a purge valve? And they said, $135. Called up the local auto parts store. I said, how much for a purge valve? And they said, $105. Went on rockauto.com. They had a couple of choices. Their most popular one was 56 bucks. Kind of a no-name package. Ordered it, got it. They said you'd get it in seven to ten days. Got it two days later. Um, part was made by Bosch. Sunday afternoon was actually kind of a nice day outside last Sunday. Spent about an hour and a half trying to get to it because they put it in a very awkward place under the intake manifold. Replaced it and seems to have taken care of the problem. So all things are all things are good now. So everything's back to the way it should be. So that's my... I had to fix my own car, but I but I, I talked to our approved auto repair rep, and I said to him, "Hey, I brought my car to your you know sh- local shop, and hey, you know what they do to my c-? I just wanted to be a jerk, and um, but the uh, but hopefully it's all taken care of. I cleared the code, I let it run for a while. My wife took it to go babysit last week, uh, drove it about a hundred miles round trip. Everything seems fine. Everything's working the way it should be. I filled it up with gas, no weird problems. But what happens is when you if the evaporative solenoid leaves the valve open you fill it up with gas and it forces either gas fumes into the engine which actually sort of floods the engine out or it stays open while you're driving and it causes the car to think it's going leaner and the oxygen sensor tries to adjust for it and that's sort of the whole reason behind it sure (laughs) all makes sense (laughs) yeah no Okay. Not at all. And, and then the other, the other kind of interesting thing this week, my wife brought her car back to the Volkswagen dealership because it's getting, it's getting a worn spot in the top. And oh, yeah, the Volkswagen dealer said, oh, we have to have somebody else come out and look at it. Somebody else came out and looked at it. She got an oil change while she was at the dealership. And the guy who owns the dealership or the sales guy said, you know, we're starting to sell some of the Volkswagen diesels again that were been sitting in storage and there becomes some pretty good values for customers. Uh, maybe your husband wants to call us up and talk about that on the radio one of these days. So, yeah, uh, so Paul Clark, I may be calling you soon. All so. right. Or Anthony, Anthony, unpronounceable last name. I don't know what his last name is. It's got a lot of got a lot of vowels in it, but nice guy. Speaking of nice guys, this Paul Sullivan sitting right there. I was trying to figure something out. What are you trying to figure out? I was trying to figure out how many St. Patrick's Days since I started doing this gig a while ago were on Saturday. I figure it's like one every six years, right? Because of leap year and all. Yeah. yeah I, I, so how's your gazintas? How do six gazinta, um, <laughs> what is that? I'm pretty, good at es- I'm pretty good at estimating. I'm not really good at exact. When did you start? 1980, April 10th, 1982, but who's counting? So 83 would have well, been the first St. Patty's Day you were here. Correct. Very good. He's I good. Really. I yeah. Can't, I'm too tired. He 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 went to bed late last night. Well, he, he, he he might have been born at night, but not last night. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, well, I do remember that one of the first times I ever met you was across the street at the other studio. I like that it was, studio. And it was yeah, so did I. You could look at the ocean. I know. Yeah. And people. Yeah. There were people to look at. Yeah. Um, some of them were beautiful. Okay. <laughs> But the but the boats but but you know looking at the boats and nice summer day it was always very pleasant over there. Um, You were looking at the boats. I did. Okay. I like boats. I'll probably never own one, but I like them. So do Um, I. But anyway, I I remember I remember saying to you, "Hey, I need a 
car trivia question that has something to do with Ireland. And you looked at me and went, I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. That's a, as you've come to realize, it's a favorite answer of mine. Yeah. Oh, wow. so, <laughs> so you said, I know about Irish music. I said, well, do you have any Irish music that has car references in it? And you just sort of shook your head and told me to go away. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Was, was... But that was back when I was in the closet studio. I remember you were, that. You were, in, you were in the luxurious WROL studio. Yeah, that was the one that and, was upstairs, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I and I was that. And I was in the... Let's put this. Let's put a studio together in a closet because it was on the eleven fifty side at the time. I never minded the, because you sound better in a closet. You know, with this big um, ballroom that we're in now, I don't sound as good. I sound good in a closet. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Is that where you do your home recording? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Surrounded by mink coats and you know whatever else is hanging up there. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen you wear a mink coat. No, but, I don't have a mink but, coat. But my, but you know, I, I. Do wonder what that's going to be all all about. No, the the best acoustics you could get would probably be in a closet full of um, puffy mean coats. Clo- yeah, 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 mean coat, yeah. yeah, something something to suck up all the sound. Yeah, yep. I remember I remember I did a remote broadcast up in Vermont, and there was a uh, pretentious radio host before I was there, mm-hmm. and he demanded that the room we were in that they bring a bunch of spare mattresses in and line the inside of the room so it wouldn't echo. Okay, and then he left, and then. I said, Wait, well, they I? actually did that. They actually did that. Then yeah. why did he ever leave? If no, they would he do that he, for him. No, he just did a show. He oh, just I see. did a show and then he left. And uh, <laughs> and I went in and I said, can I use the same space since there's already phone lines and everything in there? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, I look, I walk in this room and there's all these mattresses stacked up around the inside of the room. And I said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever <laughs> hey, seen. You must be heading for the mattresses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of uh, things that are not stupid in remote broadcast, mm-hmm. the guys are everywhere today. They are. Yeah. Someone said to me, someone called and said, Are you out at a remote? I said, No, I'm in mission control. Yeah, that's right. You're you're yeah, you're I'm, I'm you're in here. charge of making sure everybody does does their job. Exactly. Here all you day. Got, uh no, Billy Bailey's coming in at two. So I, yeah. I extend my time for a bit, an yeah. hour, and then yeah. Billy extends his time yeah. on the other end. But you got you got a lot of there's gonna be a lot of balls in the air here between Johnny being someplace mm-hmm. and Bobby being someplace and Matt, and Matt being someplace yeah. and yeah. yeah, and then they go to different places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which even makes it more confusing. Yeah, because because uh, uh, Johnny was here earlier and he said he's going to be at McSwiggins right now, yeah. Yeah. right now, right, right now, yeah, right now, right when we come on. Yeah, yeah. right now. Hey, my watch says I'm. He's putting late, a so he's putting go. a swiggin in McSwiggins. I think. I it could be, yeah. could be. I don't know. I've been there a couple times for dinner and nice place. Always had always had a good sandwich yeah. there. So yep. Hey, I got to go. Bye. Uh, next week we will be talking to a coworker of mine, Don Kerr, about uh, student loans. You said, what does that have to do with automotive? If you have a, a kid or a grandkid and you're interested in sending them to automotive school, we'll help you out. We'll tell you how that all works, and we'll even do we'll even talk about how to do the college applications for free. So the FAFSA, and I don't even I don't even I don't even know what FAFSA. All right, whatever it is, whatever it's a nightmare. But we but at AAA we'll do it for you for free. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. All right, I gotta go. I got to go. The piano play is playing. The very best in Irish music coming up. It's St. Patrick's Day. There's somebody opening a Guinness somewhere. I guarantee it. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and no drinking or driving today. See you all next week. Bye-bye.